There it is. All right. We're in. We're here. It's another beautiful day. Uh, excited for this one because we're going to be talking about another whole new word. All words are made up, but this one's uh, relationship permaculturalist. We're going to have some fun. See what, the, see what that means and uh, what else we can learn today. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to this beautiful Wednesday. Before we jump in and chat with our awesome guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all social media platforms, especially Facebook and Instagram, where we're most active. You can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. Following and sharing the content is a free and easy way to support the show. We'll really appreciate every single one of you for it. Speaking of free and easy ways to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and share. If you find value in what we're doing here, share it with your polycule, share it with your friends, share it far and wide, especially in your poly Facebook groups, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you do download podcasts. And lastly, scheduling for season one of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is almost closed. Now, my mission is to get as many differing and inclusive voices on this show, and I need your help, need your help to get some POC representation up in here. Next season is going to be much different, I promise. So as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on this show. My job as your host is to be actively inclusive because I know that the more stories we hear, the more representation we have, the more others see us in themselves, and the better we can serve our community. So PLC folks, go to practicingpolyamory.com. Sign up today for those last few spots available in season one, which ends Halloween. All right, that's my spiel. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, to the best part of the show, introducing our awesome guest. Today's guest is a poet, author, storyteller, and a non-monogamous relationship consultant who's been living a non-monogamous lifestyle since before the internet was able to connect us all in a community like today. For the past 20 plus years, she's been a perfectly imperfect human and has made plenty of opportunity for growth mistakes. She's learned hard lessons about don't ask, don't tell agreements, dealing with jealousy, disclosing non-monogamy to friends, and largely disapproving a religious family, and the importance of building community. She's deeply passionate about relationships, including the web of interconnections between people and the natural world, and her passion drives her to help build stronger, more resilient connections, and navigate the often confusing discourse on, uh, on alternative relationship choices like polyamory, open marriages, and swinging. And she personally identifies as a relationship permaculturalist, which is something I'm excited to jump into and learn more about. So without further ado, joining us today out of Portland, Oregon, from Radically Rooted Consulting, welcome to the show, Tanya Jarvis. <laughs> Hey there. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got distracted with the song. Uh, Tanya, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks. Just got my second vax. So, uh, you know, other than That's... that, life is normal. Life's good. It's cloudy in Portland. I mean, typical Pacific Northwest. Uh, you just got your, your second vax today? 
Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thanks for hanging out. How, how are you feeling so far? Fine. Good. Good, good. Hopefully that holds up. So, Tanya, you have been uh, in the... Stop stop doing that. You have been in the uh, non-monogamous uh, lifestyle practicing for a really long time, before the internet was able to connect us all, before there were books, before <laughs> all of this stuff. So you had... Coaches and, you know, horses were pulling them. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't mean to bring you that far back. I'm not trying no, to... hell no! I know, right? <laughs> but, I mean, some of the some of the, the, the famous books that we have that are available to us now, uh, the, the Ethical Slut, More Than Two, uh, Love's Not Colorblind, The Polyamorous Next Door, all of these different books just weren't available when you started out. So... I'm curious about your journey early on navigating yeah. all of this. Uh, okay. And, you know, eventually we're going to get to this, how you develop this term of relationship permaculturalist. But tell me, tell me first about, about that, that early stage, those early days before there was community. Yeah. Well, so um, I think I was just starting to figure out how to send my first emails from a school account. <laughs> um, uh, like this is, this is where the internet was. Um, I and my, and, and my partner got married at 19, I think because we met each other when we were 11. So, you know, then it felt like we'd known each other a really long time. And when we got married, we had this conversation that was like, hey, we've never really dated anybody else. So we don't want to be old and upset when we're like 30. And mm -hmm. we never had any other experience. So, old. Um, <laughs> old at just, 30. Old and 30, right? So why don't we just agree that if either of us wants to date somebody else when we're old and 30, uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just be honest about it. And it doesn't mean we have to break up. It was like we were inventing this concept. That's what mm -hmm. it felt like. Yeah. So that was our agreement, um, getting married so young. And, you know, nothing nothing really happened with that. It wasn't like we had an uh, an actively open marriage for the first several years. Um, but probably five years into the marriage, I developed this huge crush on somebody in my graduate program and realized, oh, the time has come to revisit that agreement. Mm. <laughs> when, when we got married, like, did you actually mean that back when we had that talk? And um, so I remember being kind of petrified to talk to my husband about it. And um, and nothing, nothing had happened between me and this love interest, except that we'd uh, confessed our mutual attraction to each other. Um, and um, I was nervous. Uh, I didn't have any idea what my husband was actually going to say. And I asked him. Uh, hey, so I've, I've got this crush on this friend of mine, you know about that, but I'm thinking I might want to do something about it. Remember that conversation we had <laughs> about monogamy is not like we're not expecting that if something's really important to us. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, would you still be happy with me if I ended up having sex with this person? And my husband said, well, if you're happy, why, why would I be unhappy about it? Which was... <gasps> A really sweet oh. thing for him to say. Oh, oh my God. That yeah. is, oh, dream come true. 
Right? Okay. Well, it it wasn't as easy as all that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, like there was actually, you know, it's worse. Of- it's so much worse. After I took that as a go-ahead, we definitely had to do that whole jealousy roller coaster bit. But um, but we did have a good understanding going in, which enabled us to work through that. Um, there were a whole bunch of other things about that situation that were not so great, mm-hmm. like that uh, the person I was involved with was also and you know had a, had a had a person who was important to him who he wasn't telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't really being totally upfront with her. And um, I rationalized this as well. That's not my business, what he does. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, Been um, there. Been there. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, that was the only time I did that. But yeah, so I and that person uh, weathered the end of his other relationship, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, for obvious reasons, that didn't work out so well that he wasn't telling her. Um and we're together about six years. And then wow. after that, uh, my husband um, ended up, and, and you know, at this point, I, I don't call my husband my husband. I mean, like, I don't know. Now I have two husbands or two partners, or I don't even know what to call these people, okay? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, like, and my, my, my the, the person that I'm talking about that I got together with when I was 19 now identifies as non-binary. So, mm-hmm. like, what do you do with all these labels? So I'm, I'm right. kind of using the historical label. <laughs> understood, understood. Anyway, um, he uh, got really interested in somebody and then and that he ended up being together with for about eight years. And so I had to then go through all that stuff myself. And that was around the time when um, we started developing community around it. So okay. it was really, it was really a good six, seven years of feeling like we don't know anybody else mm-hmm. in the world who's doing this. I had never heard the term polyamory uh, until maybe five years into practicing it. I was at a party and I was trying to explain to some new acquaintance um, my situation. I was like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm married, but oh, I also have this boyfriend and." Well, and she said, oh, you're, you're Polly, which at the time that was what people said. They didn't say mm-hmm. Polly am. <laughs> she said, right, you're right. Polly. And what I heard was you're Polly P O L L Y. Like the name. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not uh, my name. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, and then it, it took a, like a while for, for the, for the, um, the frayed ends of my, uh, my conduits to connect. I was like, oh, poly, like polyglot, polyhedron. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. And so when you, when you heard the term, was it like a, a life changing game changer? Did it, or did it just kind of solidify that you weren't alone? Well, I think initially it solidified that I wasn't alone. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it turned out that uh, there was a there was a, uh, like a magazine loving more and there was a nascent yeah. internet community and there was a and that was a little weird because I looked at that stuff and I thought but see that doesn't feel like me I didn't really identify with that that nascent community it didn't um, I didn't feel like I had found my community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was really, it was really great. And as time has gone on, 
um, I have more and more found my people. Right. Um, so, yeah. You know, that's the next thing, I'm, uh, since you mentioned it, that's kind of the next progression. You mentioned at the end of those six-year and eight-year relationships uh, that you and your partner uh, mm-hmm. had, you know, back then, um, that you finally did find community or you started to to build and create your own community. And now you even feel like you've found more of your community. Um, what does community mean to you and what was the main differences between what you saw in those in the magazines and and that early internet group versus what you found towards the end of those relationships what what made the community meaningful to you well um well i think i think participating in it and and contributing to it and also just, I mean, there are so, so many more people who are in alternative relationships now than there were. Um, I mean, after that six year and eight year relationship, that only gets us up to, let's see, what? I don't know, uh, 1998, to I mean, that that's not even, that's like, we still got 10 years. <laughs> something I mean you know um so it's so initially um I I connected with a like a local polyamorous group online in Arizona and I was like well some of these people are kind of my people but they all ride motorcycles for whatever reason you know motorcycles (laughs) are awesome sorry I ride I ride a Harley (laughs) totally totally awesome okay but I, as a non-motorcycle, and I didn't own one. So I thought, oh, can I even go to these meetings? I'm just like, <laughs> I'm a pretender. I don't have a motorcycle. You know? <sighs> uh, so, so just finding, um, so it wasn't really until we moved to Portland in, I'd say, 2012. That, uh, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Um, that's really when I felt like we clicked with people in the community and have been, um, but you know, there was some of that before then, um, in the, in the burning man community, uh, in Arizona, we found some great friends. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a triad, for example, that we know, uh, through burning man, uh, which my, my partner was super into. Um, and you know, like, the they're still together there's a there's another triad that i know from our california graduate school days still together so it's not like there was no community (laughs) back then it just really felt much more like being pioneers like Mm -hmm. we're making this up and now i'm just i'm so relieved that so many other people are doing this good work and and i'm (laughs) it's not just me yeah yeah well uh that was one of the things that you said that stood out to me was uh that part of what makes community meaningful is participating. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, that, that, that has been uh, something that's been standing out to me a lot. And I guess it's kind of why I'm doing this yeah. is trying to be, you know, yeah, trying to do something that, that, that involves the community and, you know, just seeing how I can bring uh, more people together. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's get into this fun stuff. Let's get into this relationship 
permaculturalist. I love l- learning new words and hearing <laughs> people's different uh, opinions on things. So I'm really curious uh, what this means to you. Well, you know, James, I was just thinking there are not enough weird esoteric terms and we need to have more of them. Right. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm totally joking. I mean, I feel like I feel a little goofy about it, honestly. Okay. But so um, I, uh, so I have lived in co-housing or like eco villages most of my adult life. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you're into gardening and you're into like the whole eco village scene, you probably might've heard of the term permaculture applied to like plants, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, maybe you haven't, but that's- I, I hadn't and I, I didn't, I did not Google it because I just wanted to hear it from you. <laughs> okay, well, it's a, you know, like it's a term that was, it's just like people who are really geeking out on gardening will know this term. And the basic gist is um, you're looking for how to cultivate plants that's, it's, it's closer to what a natural system would be. So there are principles like care for the earth, care for the people, and fair share. So it's like not monocropping. It's not your ginormous field of just one kind of potato that you're dumping Roundup on, right? So you're trying to create a natural system that's self-sustaining. Hmm. Um, and so I just borrowed that term because what I have noticed over the years of looking at um, polyamorous communities and then also relationship anarchy is that um, there's not, I, I sort of started feeling like maybe there's not a systems approach to the thing. And like what I see in polyamory is some of the same problems that you see in just dyadic relationships, mm-hmm. except bigger, right? So now you have a lot of enmeshment and codependency and drama and people spending all day communicate, communicate, communicating. And um, how sustainable is that on a community level when you have people who are so preoccupied with their personal relationships that they, they don't have time for anything else? So I was concerned about that, although there's so many great things about um, polyamory um, that are, I, I feel like, a correction to not not monogamy, but let's call it toxic monogamy, all right? Mm-hmm. Like that that field of potatoes that's getting sprayed with Roundups, kind of. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, um, that That's great. But then, so then I feel like relationship anarchy was an attempt to create correct some of that stuff mm-hmm. by people taking responsibility for themselves. It's much more individualistic. Um, and... Um, and 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 puts more emphasis on autonomy but then i also feel like sometimes community doesn't figure in so that was why i decided that i was going to make up my own term you know like i said all terms all words are made up and i love this idea uh when you use the analogy of the the like plant ecosystem and you have all of these different um plants that work together and create, you know, create a system within itself. Uh, and you kind of relate that you, you, you transpose that to relationships, you know, you're, you're in this ecosystem and the way that you nurture and care for each relationship 
gives you the possibility to, I don't know, create like your own bubble, create your own, you know, the, the polycule that you create is one that is self-sustaining. Like one feeds the other and it, it's just a community type of, of, uh, thing. I don't know. I, I, I love it. It's like you're building your own, uh, zombie apocalypse team, basically. <laughs> We need that. Yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all need that plan in place. Uh, we definitely do. Um, I want to, I want to hear a little bit more about you. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I have been talking to people about, one of the things that I've been asking uh, a lot of my guests about is that, uh, that divide that happens now you grew up from from what i read and from from what i talked about in the in introduction you grew up in a deeply religious household yeah and i'm i'm assuming that you know in your younger years you took a lot of that on yourself and then you discovered you know in your own way that it wasn't for you mm. so I want to talk to you a little bit and just ask you kind of about that journey and how you reconciled yourself to yourself after you said, you know what, religion isn't for me. Oh, well, that's that's a question I was not expecting. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, so. Uh, my family is Mormon, um, and like back to pioneer days, all the all of everybody. So big Mormon family. Nobody was uh, like actually polygamous, but mm -hmm. we all know that there's some history back in the 1800s. Right, the founder of the Mormon Church was polygamous, mm -hmm. um, had many wives, and so I think that that background did kind of prime me for so you know i have a great great grandmother who was somebody's third wife mm -hmm. and um and i always felt growing up like well this is so unfair why couldn't <laughs> why <laughs> like why can't women have multiple husbands i got to like fix that huh? <laughs> so <laughs> early <laughs> activism uh, right. Um, so, so then that kind of merged with my, um, my nascent feminism that I was like in college. So I actually went to Brigham Young University, which is the Mormon religious university for one year. And um, uh, I was kind of on the outs with uh, basically, I had come to the conclusion that this was too limiting a worldview for me, and it mm -hmm. didn't it didn't make sense with all the other thinkers that I was reading. Um, and I was uh, so I was I was in that kind of space, and also I had had this really kind of crazy experience with my then then boyfriend. We weren't married yet, um, but I had decided that it would be okay to have sex with him. And then my, even though I wasn't supposed to mm -hmm. for religious reasons. Um, and then my father found out about it and it was this whole huge blow up and it like completely ruined the summer after graduating from high school, the, the, the family trauma that happened uh, around that. 
So here I am at a religious university, and then all my roommates decided that I had a bad spirit because I listened to Nirvana and painted my fingernails black. And <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so, um, so I really felt like I was ejected from that community um, and had to figure out what, where to go from there. Um, and I think I went straight into scientific materialism. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, all right, we're just, uh, you know, and started reading um, the selfish gene and uh, evolutionary psychology and all this stuff. Um, and it's been just very, very recently that I feel like I'm starting to revisit religion and spirituality more on my own terms as an outgrowth of my experience in relationships. Um, so, And what's I, that like? I don't know. I'm starting to slack. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, like, I've just been thinking about now, I've been thinking about how... Um, like, okay, I'm going to sound like a crazy person um, when I say this, but I feel like love is like that, that we, that love is like almost this energetic substance. And I, I'm saying almost like, I don't literally believe it's an energetic substance, but it acts that way. And mm -hmm. we are limiting it. Um, we think it's rare and it's hard to find. And instead, it's actually abundant, but we have to realize that we are the source of that. It's, we are love, okay? And yep. so, um, so that's what I mean. Like, I feel like that's almost a religious kind of a statement, um, but because it sounds like it doesn't belong with scientific materialism. Does that make sense? <laughs> it, I mean, it totally, it, it does. Uh, I, I, and I get where you're coming from. I get what you're saying. It, it doesn't feel like that uh, scientific materialism. You're kind of adding this spiritual factor to love. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. It is, it is energetic. Like it yeah. does carry its own, um, beyond energy just it, it, it's like a a connection and uh the way that that the way that love manifests in my life is really really cool and interesting and uh i don't know i feel like it definitely connects me to a lot more people than maybe i even realize yeah like there's there's definite definitely connection there so I don't know. I don't think you're crazy. Did you watch that? There was a there was a movie about mushrooms, you know, and their mycelial web in the in the forest. And I kind of feel like that's what we're seeing with um, communities that are putting love and like at the center of their philosophy. I feel like we're making we're making all these little connections with each other, and that that can produce something, you know, in which the sum is greater. The, 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 you know, like that the whole is greater than the sum of its right. parts, that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And I guess that's, you know, as, as we're talking about it here and, and I'm thinking about it, that's part of why, like, this show is important to me is that it it is, you know, it's my love child. 
right? Yes. It's it's uh, it's it's something that I, that I enjoy doing, and uh, I'm really having fun connecting with all kinds of people. Uh, it's part of the reason why I chose the, the the rainbow backdrop over here because to me the rainbow is love, right? It's like yeah. there's so much love available and uh, and and just pouring out from all of us in the community. And so this whole thing is just a, a, my way of trying to bring that all together as one. Um, what is something that you feel is like an important thing, like a, just a, a, a lesson, like a one thing that you could leave with the audience from all of your different experiences Um What's that? What's that one major lesson? Maybe it's a recent one. I don't know. <laughs> You're laughing a little bit. You're like, uh. uh well, you know, like, oh, pick one thing. Pick yeah, like, pick one. one thing. Okay, well, the, 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 <laughs> most the most important thing for reels is the thing I already touched on. I think, which is that I think we really um, we we really limit ourselves if we subscribe to a scarcity mindset around love like that that there that it's a scarce resource and we have to compete to get it somewhere external from us instead of it's our responsibility i will even say sacred responsibility as human beings to try to to be loving to other people like to contribute going back to what we talked about to the community um what can i contribute to other people's happiness what can i contribute to having a more resilient community instead of like, uh, how do I get love? How do I fix myself so that I deserve love? You know, it's like, we got to switch that around. So that that's the thing that I would say is like most important to me, but that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a hard thing to just like put in a, like a little pithy thing. <laughs> so if you want like a little pithy thing, I would say, don't make the mistake of letting your ideas about relationships get in the way of authentic relating. Ooh. There's, there's my like little pithy sentence. I like that one. I like that one. I put that one in a quote card and, and get that one going. Okay. Right. But okay. Don't let your ideas about relating get in the way of, of, of relationships, get in the way of authentic relating. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you to dig a little bit more on that. That's a, that's a great quote to start things off. What does that mean? Well, I think it means, uh, well, let's just give like a really easy example. You know, um, if, if somebody is out dating and they've got like this idea of what their ideal partner is, let's say, and then they've got this whole like long laundry list of what they're looking for in, in, a, in a person. Now they're trying to like find a person who fits that list and they might not even be seeing the gift of the person who's sitting in front of them because they're so convinced that they want a specific kind of relationship and that only a specific kind of person is going to fit that, uh, that they, they can't see what kind of relationship might be possible with the actual person sitting in front of them. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. It even sounds like good uh, dating advice, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many how many posts do we see in? I don't know how many Facebook groups you're in, but I'm in a bunch of them, and you know, I see it all the time. I can't find anybody to date. I can't find anybody. You know, always, always looking for uh, 
whatever the people to connect with. And I'm like, you know, first of all, dating monogamously is hard, right? Like that's to, to find somebody that you connect with is, is a rare thing. But what you're saying is there's people that you can connect with and you maybe have these ideas of what that connection should look like. But if you do away with those ideas, you might find something that's already there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so many people are just sure that having a relationship means, and then they've got all these like preconceived notions about what it means. And if you dig into it, it's like, oh, well, I want like kitchen table polyamory and I Mm -hmm. want like, and, and, you know, my person is going to, uh, they're going to be funny and they're going to have all these skills. And also they're going to get along with my partners and also they're right. And, and it's like, yeah. So, but what about who, what's the, what's the gift of the, the actual connection that you could have with the the actual person? (laughs) But it's okay to have preferences though, right? It's of course it is. Of course it is. It's okay to have preferences. I just think that, um, I'm not saying, oh, um, you could, uh take into your household as your nesting partner just any random person you find on the street i'm not saying that i'm saying that um we overlook what is possible in connecting with a person if we if we're lugging around a wheelbarrow full of expectations um and assumptions about what we need in our lives um yeah. And I think, I think we all have to have, we all need to have boundaries around, you know what, there are things I don't, there, there are types of people I don't want to interact with. I mean, all of that's fine. Um, because we, we have to take care of ourselves, you know, <laughs> I just mean, I just mean ha- being a little bit more curious about who is this person and what might be possible with them. Um, based on experience, hopefully, and some wisdom about what, what not to try. <laughs> yep. Yep. So preference is good, but also flexibility. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Well, <laughs> Tanya, thank you so very much for hanging out with me today. Uh, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, the last thing I want to do before we head off is to ask you if somebody wanted to work with you, if somebody feels like they've got a good connection with you uh, and they'd like to maybe get some advice and work with you, uh, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with them? And remember, we have a listening audience. Yeah. So, um, so my website's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. It's www.radicallyrooted.com. So radically, like a radical, radically rooted. It's the permaculture theme. So yeah. Uh, and uh, I have an online scheduler and people can do a, a free 15 minute phone consult if they um, they're thinking they're interested, but they're not sure that they want to commit to a, a full-on session. Any limits to geography? Well, obviously, I only see people in person uh, if they're local. Um, <laughs> but Unless they want to fly out to you. That's right. That's right. Um, I do. Or have fly out you of, out. I have, I have out-of-state clients, and um, most of my out-of-state clients are phone. Uh, like by phone, although I do, I do zoom if I absolutely have to, but honestly, it's not my fave. Mm-hmm. 
I'll I'll be real here. I am <laughs> I am so old school. I really am that hippie out in the garden. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. So mostly in person or by phone. But All I, right. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I will do Zoom or FaceTime if it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I, I do have a few clients that I do that with. It's just like I'm not. I'm not like rushing to sign up a lot of more Zoom in my life. Cool. And and can you tell? Fine by me. He's back. Uh, <laughs> and can you tell me about a little bit about uh, the services that you provide? Yeah, so I do what I, I do. What I what I call what I do is relationship consulting, um, and so most of my clients are people who are exploring some kind of way of relating that's new to them. Most of my clients are in some kind of open relationship or are considering it. Um, so sometimes I have swingers um, or people who are. Um, who have agreements around recreational sex with people outside their dyadic partnership, but they're interested in developing more of a community or more of an emotional relationship, and they're not sure how to get that started. Um, sometimes um, I have people, I have couples um, or triads who are experiencing conflict in their relationship and they want a mediation session. So I do that also. Um, yeah. So cool. All right. Well, you all heard it, folks. Uh, if you want some help with your relationships, a little mediation, hopefully not. Uh, but anything <laughs> along those lines, uh, check out Tanya at radicallyrooted.com. Thank you again, Tanya, so much for hanging out with me today. Thanks, James. It was, it was my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. And as always, thank you to our live audience for tuning in. Also, as a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday or like tomorrow, we got a special Thursday edition, uh, 2.30 Pacific time or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already. And please leave, leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it thank you again tanya for your time thank you everybody for tuning in until next time have a nice day thank you for tuning in to the practicing polyamory podcast would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation please support us by subscribing liking and following us on social media at practicing polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com